Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a worldwide community of people who are using the practices of mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity to heal the pain and suffering that addiction has caused in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This podcast is for all those interested in and all those already practicing refuge recovery to find freedom from addiction of all kinds. To support this podcast and your refuge recovery, please donate using the link in the show notes. Again, welcome everybody. And um, a reminder that this is not a refuge recovery meeting. This is a offering of refuge recovery world services. And um, that all refuge recovery meetings are peer led and led by uh, volunteers elected by the groups on a rotating leadership basis. Um, and that I, this is a, a teacher led offering from World Services. Uh, and as most of you are probably aware, our um, refuge recovery has three sort of connected but separate, separate but connected um, kind of wings of the organization, the peer led organization, which is the meetings that most of you are involved in and take part in. Uh, teacher-led offerings such as this and refuge recovery <clears throat> retreats and um, offerings that are led by a Dharma teacher such as myself. And uh, also at some point we will again have uh, professional treatment options. At the moment we don't have that but we're working on developing uh, some options for people in detox treatment uh, experiences that, that need that level of, of help. And so it is part of our vision, our mission to help provide uh, addiction treatment, both in the peer-led and the professional, and then also in the teacher-led experiences. So welcome and thank you for joining me. Last week, we went through uh, an overview of forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is a central aspect of the refuge recovery program. And we went over um, the kind of understanding the section in the book where it talks about uh, in the first factor of the Eightfold Path, it talks about understanding that forgiveness is possible. And understanding that it is not just possible, but that it is important and it is necessary for us. It's not a, um, a luxury, but it's a necessity as part of our recovering from addiction, the underlying pain that uh, resentment creates um, often um, leads to relapse and, and uh, if not relapse, uh, a level of unnecessary unhappiness or misery in our lives. So from the very beginning, we encourage people to um, start the forgiveness process. And it's very much a process and it's very much a long process. And it's certainly not just a decision that we make. Tonight, I wanna focus more on, uh, forgiveness is in three categories. Um, offering forgiveness to those who have harmed us, asking for forgiveness from uh, those whom we have harmed, and forgiving ourselves, which is both, and. And when we get there, we'll talk about the kind of the ways that we've harmed ourselves and uh, the ways that we need to ask ourselves, uh, our minds, for forgiveness. Tonight, I want to focus on... Uh, asking for forgiveness from others and the work that we do in the inventory um, where we look at all of the ways that our actions, our attitudes, our addictions, and not just our addictions, our behaviors in and out of recovery, um, having caused harm to others and uh, where there are amends to be made and when, where there is forgiveness to be asked for. One of the reasons that I wanna start with 
that, and I don't think I do this all of the time in the book, I may not, but it does feel like um, if we can get to the place of humility around our own imperfections, and if we can stay on the side of humility rather than crossing into humiliation and shame, but if we can stay with this simple perspective and just try this on for a moment, the simple perspective is I have at times been unskillful, unskilled, unwise, unkind, dishonest, all of the ways that we have caused harm because of our pain, because of our confusion, because of our ignorance, our addiction, our craving, our anger, all of those difficult um, experiences and emotions that um, have caused harm. And clearly seeing and coming to understand that it's not who we are. What we have done is not our identity. It's not who we are. And the difference between shame and many of us experience a, a level of shame about who we are and a shame about what we have done and uh, uh, and shame on some level or another from my perception is a feeling of uh, I'm, I am bad. I am a bad person. I am unworthy of love, of compassion, of forgiveness. I, uh, it's, a, it's a judgment about our whole being, about ourselves. I am bad. And uh, of course, we're trying to get free from that because anytime we have the feeling, I am bad, shame is a lie. There's something, the mind, if it's telling us that we are bad people, that we are unworthy, uh, the mind is lying to you and anyone else who has said that to us in our lives. They are confused. <laughs> They're, you know, uh, we are not bad. But we have been unskillful. Some of the actions, some of the attitudes, some of the behaviors, some of the uh, perspectives that we've held have been confused, have been unskillful, have been unwise, uneducated, un unskillful. So again, I want to over and over ask you to come back to this humility of admitting that we have been unskillful and that our lack of skill, our lack of wisdom has caused harm to ourselves and others. And trying to come back to that. It's not that I'm bad, broken, uh, defective, any of that bullshit, but I have been unskillful. I didn't, hold, I didn't hold my pain well. I didn't know how to. I let it spill out onto the people around me and it caused harm to people that I love as well as people that I hate. <laughs> um, I wasn't able to just focus it on the real or perceived enemies that ended up spilling out onto probably most of the people that come into contact with us at one point or another, um, our suffering, our confusion affects them. So we're going for humility. We're going for, we sh we're starting in this place partially because the more we can have a, a, a wise perspective on why we have caused harm and a humble uh, attitude about it, 
when it comes time to forgiving others, we can then apply that same perspective to them. The more you come to understand that you are not a bad person, that you've just been confused at times and that it's hurt the people around you, then you can start to see the people that hurt you as not bad people, but as confused, suffering people whose pain, confusion, ignorance, lack of skin with their anger, with their fear, with their lust, whatever it was, and how it spilled out onto us. So we, I wanna start with this, uh, asking for forgiveness and then also uh, the importance of it becoming relational and you know, making amends for our unskillful behaviors, our part. So we, we looked at the uh, understanding of that last week. Tonight, let's look at the um, chapter in the book um, on action and engagement, the third factor of the fold, uh, starting on page 61, where we talk about forgiveness as an action. Forgiveness is an action, the action of letting go of hatred and ill will towards others. We've explored the process and understanding of forgiveness in the first factor of the path. But this is where we put our understanding into action. A regular and consistent practice of forgiveness meditation will be necessary. Even just 10 to 15 minutes a day of asking for and offering forgiveness in your meditation will train your mind and heart to let go and allow you to be free from the suffering of resentment. For addicts, it is necessary to take forgiveness a step further. While doing the inner work of letting go, we must also take direct relational action. The process of releasing the heart, hearts and minds grasp on the past pains and betrayals almost always includes taking responsibility by making amends and offering forgiveness when it is appropriate and welcomed. Very often this includes communication with those whom we have harmed, as well as those who have harmed us. This direct communication is the relational aspect of forgiveness. Making amends is a healing and generous act. This in no way means that we have to reconcile with people who have harmed us or that we should subject ourselves to others, subject ourselves or others to further abuse. Part of the forgiveness and healing process is to create healthy boundaries. We may forgive someone, but choose never to interact with that person again. We must not confuse letting go of past injuries with a feeling of obligation to let the injurers back into our life. The freedom of forgiveness often includes a firm boundary and a loving distance from those who have harmed us. We may likewise need to keep a loving distance from those whom we have harmed to keep them from further harm. To that extent, this practice of letting go of the past and making amends for our behavior is more internal than relational. We can let the individuals back into our hearts with ev without ever letting them back into our lives. You have the list of people you have harmed and been harmed by from the first truth inventory. Take another look at it and with the guidance and support of your mentor, begin making amends for your behavior. So, Huge encouragement if you haven't done the inventory, the whole first and second inventory, do it. 
um, before going out and making amends, do the inventory, then, you know, get guidance, get support from a mentor. Uh, some of the people are starting to, um, you know, we've had this ongoing issue of a lack of, lack of abundance of mentors. So many people are starting to mentor each other. People who are working on the inventory are kind of working on it together, co-mentoring. Um, deep encouragement, it's, it's a core part of our process. Uh, it's a necessary part of our process. Write it all down before going and have another human being that you um, are checking in with that is mentoring you, even if you're co-mentoring each other as you go through this process. And the meditation is going to give you so much more uh, information, so much more uh, experience to process the pains, the, the resentments, the, the fears around making amends. Um, so we do the meditation for some time before we go and knock on the doors to make amends. So that it's a familiar, we're already in the process of forgiveness rather than just kind of showing up and saying, Hey, by the way, I uh, stole your car <laughs> or whatever I did. Uh, we've already been in this place of asking for forgiveness. I hope all of that makes sense. Let's meditate together for a little bit and then we can have some discussion about this presentation and this aspect of asking for forgiveness. Again, the ideal, the intention is humility. And when you find your mind going into shame, when you're recalling all of the ways and all the, the big list of people that you have harmed, come back to, I was unskillful. I didn't hold my pain well. I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't have a lot of integrity and in active addiction or or even before or after the active addiction. So just with a humility and a, um, an understanding that it's not who we are. This is part of what we're learning about impermanence and the impersonal, the not self. Uh, our actions are not our identity. And it's one of, you know, there's this problem with us humans developing fixed views about ourselves. I am like this. They are like that. Part of what we're doing in our mindfulness-based uh, investigation is starting to see that everyone is constantly changing. We are constantly changing. Impermanence is the reality that we live and breathe, and we are not uh, fixed in uh, our past actions, nor is anyone else. Not we don't make identities out of what we have done or what others have done. Well, we do make identities out of it, but we're trying to break free from that. <laughs> we're trying to get free from that tendency to tendency of shame and blame. So finding a way to sit that is upright and relaxed. Take a few moments to settle into the position by intentionally releasing any tension in your face, neck, shoulders, chest, or abdomen. Bring your attention to the present moment through the breath awareness practice. after settling into the present time experience of sitting with the awareness of your breath. Allow the breath to come and go from your heart center. 
Imagine breathing directly in and out of your heart. Feel what is present in your heart-mind. And begin to set your intention to let go of the past through letting go of resentment. Say the word forgiveness in your mind and acknowledge how it feels to consider letting go. When you are ready, bring to mind some of the ways that you have harmed others, have betrayed or abandoned them, include both the intentional and unintentional acts of harm you've participated in. Acknowledge and allow yourself to feel the anger, the pain, the fear, or confusion that motivated your actions. in repeating the following phrases. Asking for forgiveness from those you have harmed. I ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive me for having caused you harm. I now understand that I was unskillful and that my actions hurt you and I ask for your forgiveness. If you wanna keep it simple, that last line 
feels the most important to me. I now understand that I was unskillful and that my actions hurt you. And I ask for your forgiveness. As it says earlier in the practice, we're asking for forgiveness, whether it was intentional or unintentional. I now understand that my actions were unskillful. And that whether it was intentional or unintentional, I hurt you. All of the people that we hurt unintentionally as addicts, all of the people that we intentionally lied to, stole from, misled, caused harm to in whatever ways. I understand that I was unskillful and that I caused you harm. And I ask for your forgiveness. You can do this practice by either bringing one person to mind at a time. Asking for forgiveness. Feeling it in your body. The regret. The embarrassment. The resistance. Seeing how the mind wants to sometimes justify the harm we've caused. Focusing on what they did or didn't do. Come back to your side of the street. Come back to your desire to be forgiven. the humility, the wisdom of asking for forgiveness. You can bring one person at a time, spend some minute or two with them asking for forgiveness, see who else is there. Perhaps sometimes we have a long list, maybe dozens, maybe hundreds of people from the inventory, from your life. Sometimes they line up when we start to meditate in this way, waiting for their turn. It's also okay to experiment with asking for forgiveness in a general way to a gathering, to a group, 
I sometimes imagine what if all of the people that I had caused harm to were in the same place at the same time. How big of a room would be necessary. Everyone who'd ever felt offended. Everyone who'd ever felt harmed by me gathered in one place, perhaps a stadium, a very large field. I understand that I was unskillful, I was unkind, unwise, not careful with my speech or my actions, and that intentionally or unintentionally this caused harm to many people. And I ask for forgiveness for all of the harms I've caused. And this includes everything. We're trying to be thorough. So from the big ones where we've really intentionally lied, cheated, stolen, we're violent. And the big ways we've perhaps caused harm. To so the subtle ways, just by the dirty looks we've given people, the lack of kindness from not returning the phone calls or emails, the rude things we may have said on social media, all of the ways that we have intentionally or unintentionally hurt each other, been unskillful, unwise, not compassionate. Come back to the phrases here, mindful of your body, soften the belly, over and over, please forgive me. I understand that I was unskillful, take full responsibility for my actions. And I ask your forgiveness.
relax a little bit. Stop trying so hard. Stop trying to force anything. Just feel your body breathing. Breathe into your heart. What's present? Sadness, anger, fear. Release. Finally, the permission to ask for forgiveness, the encouragement. No more denial or avoidance. Full responsibility. Stop trying to ask for forgiveness and just rest. Mindfulness of your emotions, your thoughts, your breath. See what comes up in the mind. And if it's shame, see it as confusion. And if it's regret, the understanding that we've been unskillful and we regret that. See the regret as healthy. A wise response to having caused harm. When you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open, come back into the space, seeing, moving, letting go of the past, coming fully into the present. Right now, it's like this, as we reflect on the past and we practice forgiveness, we're here. Come back to here. Sometimes we can get so lost in the stories. It's almost as though we're back in that childhood or that difficult experience we've lived through, but we're here. So take a moment, reorient to being present here. So I hope the perspective makes sense, the technique makes sense. The importance of humility and seeing ourselves clearly, honestly, as of course, having been unskillful and of course, having caused harm to others with our lack of skill. Um, anybody that says that they have caused no harm, uh, is either a fully enlightened being <laughs> or a complete sociopath uh, liar. We all cause harm to each other. And this is not just because we're addicts, although our addiction caused a lot of harm to a lot of people probably. But just being human, our mere existence, our relationships, very few people are very good in, at um, being honest all of the time or being careful all of the time or being kind all of the time. So all of those ways that we're unkind or dishonest or uh, cause harm to others.
doing this practice doesn't mean that you're going to um, instantly get relief. Uh, it's a long-term practice that you'll have to uh, carry on for some months and years, perhaps decades. <laughs> um, and this part in particular, in preparation for going and making direct amends. My encouragement is before we go and knock on the doors and send the emails and make the phone calls and um, spend some time in meditation asking for forgiveness before we go in person to ask for forgiveness. So it's a bit more familiar, we're a bit more intimate with the feeling. Um, Hope that makes sense. A couple more things, and then I'd like to have some dialogue, some questions. Um, one is, of course, we have the karma of our actions, whether we admit it or not, whether we make amends or not, whether we, we don't get away with anything. Every thing that we have done that has been intentionally unskillful, that has caused harm, we own that. It is our karma. This is not a philosophy. This is not an idea. This is, from the Buddhist perspective, the reality that we live in. Making amends is part of purifying our karma. The act of causing harm uh, lying, stealing, cheating, violence, uh, whatever it was, avoidance, abandonment, betrayal, whatever it was, was a negative uh, karmic momentum for us. Making the amends is a positive karmic momentum for us. It's an act of generosity. For what it's worth, um, some of you are aware of this, making amends is one of the few things in refuge recovery that isn't uh, really traditionally Buddhist. The forgiveness practice is, is a Buddhist practice, but um, because of the reality of karma, there's not a lot of amends making in the Buddha's teachings. He says, oh, well, you know, whatever you've done, you that's your karma. You've got to live with it. You've got to purify your karma. But he doesn't talk about uh, apologizing or making amends or asking for forgiveness relationally. Um, I included this practice, and I think it's such a central practice for us in, in, um, because of my 12-step influence and how much relief I got through making ninth step amends in my own recovery. How much relief it was, how much, uh, part of making amends is like, you know, the mind attacks. <laughs> you know, the judgment, the shame, the, all of the ways that the mind criticizes us. Once we have done this practice and trained the mind to be a bit kinder, once we've made direct amends, then finally we have some, uh, ammunition <laughs> when the mind says, yo, you hurt all of those people, you stole, you lied, you cheated, you whatever you did. Um, then you can say, it's, yes, that's all true. I was unskillful in so many ways in my life, caused harm. And I've also made amends. I've also done what I could to clean up the messes that I've made in my life. And I've taken responsibility, not only internally, also externally. So developing that positive karma and that positive uh, pathway in the mind, attitude of the mind, where you can say, yes, full responsibility, 100% responsibility. And I've also taken all of the actions that I can to repair, to amend the harm that I've caused. Happy to take some questions. Um, lots of people have lots of different uh, ideas about, uh, you know, of course, I think, I don't really love talking about 12-step recovery, but there's some pieces here where I kind of um, 
you know, there's some influences and there's some heavy influences here. Uh, so I'm going I'm to go ahead and do it. You know, there's that statement in the, in the 12 steps where they say, um, except for when to do so would injure them or others. And um, I have seen countless people uh, avoid making countless amends with this caveat. Oh, I would make amends, but it would, you know, it would injure them. Um, maybe it's true sometimes. My sense is that it's, as it says in the book, it's almost always appropriate to make amends, to take full responsibility and to try to mend situations. Uh, and very, very rarely is it gonna cause any kind of intentional harm to make amends, to ask for forgiveness. Even if it's emotional, even if it's sad, like sadness is not harm, uh, you know, embarrassment is not harm, uh, you know. So anyways, I, I have a pretty, my own personal view is, um, make them all, you know, check in with your mentor and some wise counsel, but for the most part, make them all. Uh, and that was what I have done and continue to do in my recovery. So I'm definitely coming from, uh, what has worked for me and you'll of course have to find your own way with these amends. Um, a couple of questions coming up, Kenny, go ahead. Vanilla, thanks. This is great tonight. Um, <clears throat> it's so refreshing to hear uh, non-AA hate because uh, I, I, uh, I come into that so often, expatriate AA folks that, you know, ditched AA because they couldn't stay sober for whatever reason. And it's really great that you reinforce your book all the way throughout. Five of the six people you talk about got sober in AA first in your stories. And uh, I, I uh, as somebody who sponsored a you know, pretty good number of folks, the one time I think it's important to be aware uh, not to make an amend at the expense of another person's feelings, like, and this is kind of a ridiculous example, but yeah, I'm sorry I slept with your sister, you know, or things that would cause them harm if they knew about it. That's the thing, that's the uh, caveat that, that Bill Wilson put in there was to not unburden your own conscience and your own guilt at the expense of another person's feelings. And, that, and that's the thing, I know you were kind of dancing around that when you said that, and that, uh, that would be an exception that uh, I would never let, uh, or never encourage somebody to unburden their own consciousness if it hurts someone else in the process, something that they never even knew about and perhaps they never should know about. Um, and of course that's up to the mentor and the mentee, but right. um, I never want to dump my consciousness out. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I do, but it's also part of what I'm referring to um, and critiquing um, that uh, um, my sense is that a lot of times, you know, like let's use, let's use your example of I slept, you know, telling your friend I slept with your sister. Um, yeah, your wife that you slept with her sister. Your, telling your wife yeah. that you slept with her sister. So, exactly. oh, so the, the couple, the, there's two married people? Yeah, I, I'm going to tell my wife, sorry, you yeah. know, while, while so, I was married to you, I slept with your sister. So again, like everyone's going to find all of this, you know, find your own way with all of this. And I hear your perspective, Kenny, but I will share my perspective, which is that if you have, uh, if you're in a marriage and you've made a commitment and you've broken that commitment, to not tell that person is to cause so much harm, to not be honest in that relationship and to live in a relationship with dishonesty in my, from my perspective, is going to cause way more harm than making amends and, and telling the truth about how we have been dishonest, how we've broken their trust, rather than letting them live in a lie of who, you know, of, uh, so my own perspective is, is when we, when people have cheated, when people have, 
I think it's very important to take responsibility uh, for that those behaviors. Um, uh, my perspective is is that that's not actually causing more harm. It causes more harm to not be honest and to let the person live in a you know it's like they're not even in the real relationship because there's you know this dishonesty that they're uh, not aware of. So that's my perspective. I have a, a, a kind of a strong view about that. I know that there's a lot of people in uh, other recovery programs that have other views about that. My own feeling, I feel like honesty is so important and it's not unburdening us. It's actually an act of generosity to say, to, for the person to know the truth. It's not unburdening myself because I don't fucking wanna take responsibility. That's painful but it is my responsibility for them to know the truth. And that's part of the amends. So we can, you know, play with that. And, you know, the, this is great, Kenny. Thank you for sharing that. Because these are two sides of when it comes to making amends. And depending on who your mentor is and who you talk to, you're going to get a lot of different advice. You talk to me, I'm going to be like, go make amends. You talk to someone else, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, you don't need sure. to. <laughs> well, I, I, so. I, I think the caveat is first, do no harm. No matter what, like, do no harm. It's and too you can uh, what what does harm or doesn't do harm. Honesty is, of course, the best policy. Yeah. However, it's do no harm. I I I have to um, you know re, you know kind of. But I'll go with you. with you about this. Do no harm is impossible. I, you know, like, I know I say it and we're trying to take responsibility for the harm that we've caused, but do no harm is, uh, you know, there's not a living being alive that can do no harm. The bar is too high. And um, part, you know, and, and, and then we have to unpack what is harm? You know, what is harm? Is hurting someone's feelings harm? It's not, you know, if our intention is, I want to be honest, I want to take full responsibility, I'm not intentionally causing harm, I'm just intentionally wanting both of us to see clearly. And I don't want to continue to live, uh, I don't want you to live in this delusion. I don't want you to live in this lie, and I don't want to live in this lie. It's an act of, the intention is loving, the intention is compassionate. Um, and this thing around do no harm, I think is... Uh, misused over and over in order to avoid taking responsibility for our actions. So I think we have to be real careful about uh, avoiding making amends because it's going to be embarrassing, because it's going to, because we're going to lose something that we want to keep. We don't get to keep uh, in the service of dishonesty. So I have a, you know, I have strong views about this stuff. Again, you guys have to find your own way with it. Let's uh, move on. Uh, Joseph or um, Richard, you, you went away. Sherry, I'll let, let open to you. Thanks, Noah. I was just going to underscore what you were saying. I totally agree with what you're saying. And there are ways to do a disclosure of what's happened because to continue to withhold that information in an ongoing relationship is living a lie. And I've seen this happen time and time again, causes many more problems. So there's ways to uh, get through a disclosure professionally, that's what I do, and to help couples like mend the, mend the hurt. So um, amends, part of amends is about mending the, the, the rift in the relationship and it can be done. I've done it many times, yeah. thanks. Thank you. Um, Sherry, did you still have a? Uh, yeah. So, um, as you know, um, my, um, my son died when he was 18 and, um, I immediately tried to start, you know, numbing the pain and it got so bad that I, at one point I said, if I don't completely stop now, I'm, I'm going to be dead too, you know? So, um, so I've been sober for 11 months and, um, I feel like, I feel there a lot of shame for 
the fact that, uh, you know, when I when my son was alive, I I was uh, drinking and a, a lot because of just the things that had happened to me and the ways I had been victimized in my life. And there's no way I can ap apologize, you know? I mean, I wasn't a crazy drunk or anything. I was just, you know, I, I drank to, to tolerate life. And um, it still makes me feel really bad that I, I couldn't have given them a better version of myself. I hear you. And this practice is a really beautiful and I think important way to uh, heal that in your own heart, to ask him for forgiveness, even though he's not here, to just that um, process of, of asking for forgiveness. Uh, as parents, all of us are imperfect. And, um, you know, there's this quote that I love that says, um, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. And that the hard truth is, all of us love poorly. And uh, there's some part there where it says, um, you know, the kind of the fellowship of the week that is the human family, that we have to forgive and ask for forgiveness unceasingly. And so even when our loved ones have died and, you know, the tragedy of losing a child, um, you can still offer forgiveness and ask for forgiveness because they live in our mind, they live in our heart. And so the, the practice continues to uh, change that inner relationship. I hope that's helpful. Looks like we're just about out of time. I think I'll leave it there for tonight. I know that there's more. I'll hang out for a few minutes, Dawn and anybody else. Uh, we can kind of, what do they call it? Parking lot after I'll stop the recording. And um, next week we will shift into offering forgiveness to those whom uh, we have felt harmed by and uh, continue this conversation about the importance of making amends and you know that often there's both in the kind of people make both lists the people that I regret having caused harm to that who also caused harm to me and that I reacted and justified it and so we'll start to unpack unpack it all together um, I see that Joseph has posted the donation um, uh, and meeting, you know, support link in the chat. Of course, there's no charge for these weekly groups, um, but uh, it's a fundraiser, let's say, a benefit for uh, Refuge Recovery World Services. Um, so please uh, give a donation if you can, if you can offer five or 10 or $15 if, if you're able to help support the organization that, um, you know, supports your recovery program. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Refuge Recovery Podcast. To learn more about our program of recovery and to connect with others on the Refuge Recovery Path, visit our website, refugerecovery.org, where you will find information, meditations, and links to both in-person and online Refuge Recovery meetings. This podcast is brought to you by Refuge Recovery World Services, a nonprofit created to support our network of refuge recovery groups around the world. Thank you for listening.